As I'm talking to a non-believer, I would get this phrase, and, and it was so powerful, it was so much life on it. Like the person felt it, I felt it, the atmosphere became charged, and then maybe two weeks later, it would happen again. And I wrote them all down on my phone, and, and that is what Jesus at the door is. It is nine points that were breathed by the Holy Spirit in the harvest fields of life. Welcome everybody, this is Simon Gilbert with Inspired and this week I'm very excited because we've got Scott McNamara with us. Hi Scott. Hey Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, great. So Scott is the pioneer of Jesus at the Door, uh, which is a brilliant way of sharing Jesus out in the streets or anywhere. And uh, I've come across it only in the last year, but have used used it and seen it Plenty of people come to Jesus. It's been, it's been a real, uh, well, it's had a major impact in my life, Scott. So I bless you for that. And uh, I've loved taking other people out on the streets. And so I want to hear how that came about, but also your general life story in terms of, you know, the aim of this podcast is just to inspire people. So take it away, you know, tell us, tell us about your background. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for embracing Jesus at the door and, um, you know, really using that and helping others access that. I think it's uh, been inspiring not only in my life to hear other people and disciples who are hungry to, to bear more fruit. So well, thank you for that, first of all. My journey, I was um, I was raised by a single mom. Dad left when I was uh, about nine. My brother went to, to Juvie, to Borstal, and um, I kind of was in the environment with a, with a, 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 a mom who was kind of uh, quite afraid and and sort of struggling with a lot really and um and then she went to night school um after her and my dad divorced and she met a christian lady we were raised irish catholics so there was no sort of a christian influence in our lives it was just you know this kind of uh, traditional religiosity really where god was very aloof and very distant and my mom had an encounter through this lady that she'd met at, at night school and she ended up um having this encounter with jesus she actually was invited to her husband's church the lady that she met her husband was a pastor she went along the first day she went uh, the pastor said hey there's um you know there's this verse of in revelation 320 of jesus standing at the door and knocking and uh, how the you know the idea is the handles on the inside and, and my mom prayed uh, under a breath and a heart to, to open that door to Jesus, and um, which is quite poetic. And uh, she accepted the Lord in that moment, went home, and um, yeah, around that time she was laying in a bedroom on a bed, and she uh, the Holy Spirit fell upon her. She began to speak in tongues, and and this was very outside of the box from what we were used mm-hmm. to in an Irish Catholic tradition. So everybody thought she was crazy. Uh, the family, you know, we had no Christian compass, so uh, they all wanted to sort of lock her up and send the, the men with the white coats. Um, so she. Yeah. She really uh, went through a lot of persecution and she was the first, you know, Christian in, in the family, I guess, even in friend. We didn't even have any friends that were. And um, but my mom, she got a hold of the Lord and got a hold of the Holy Spirit, fell in love with Jesus. And so for me as a young boy in, in a quite a fractured home where my dad had left and, and um, my brother had just got sent away. And, uh, you know, uh, life was difficult, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I mean, I would, uh, I would uh, grow up in that environment from, from nine years of age onwards. I'd go to church, I'd go to like boys camps and different things like this. And I'd hear about Jesus and, um, and it was great. It was all, you know, I had a, I had a soft heart towards the Lord and I guess, um, I had my encounter with the Lord at the age of 15. I went along to a youth conference in, in Ireland and there was a man who was preaching. I was an arrogant teenager and my brother, he actually just got released from juvie. He was 18. I was about 15 and we sat in the back row and um and be, i began to throw uh, rolled up bits of paper at people's heads and hmm. um, was really just being a um <laughs> a bit of a nuisance and um this guy was preaching and, and he pointed at me in, in a room of, of over 100 kids and he shouted and he said god wants you 
And I remember feeling something inside of me in that moment. Wow. And I just felt this like tsunami of love washing over me. And I, I fell to my knees and I began to weep like a baby. And, mm. and I wouldn't do I wouldn't do that. That wasn't in my playbook uh, for, for getting the girls. You see, I was there yeah. to, to get the girls. Me and my brother, we had a, a plan that we hatched. There was, there was a millionaire... Uh, millionairesses, this family. So we were like, man, we're going to get these girls. So that was kind of our, our deal. And um, <laughs> next thing, I'm, I'm on the ground and I'm weeping and there's a man standing over me. I think about 30 minutes had gone by. Everybody had left and this man stood over me, this preacher, he stood over me, he said, that, that is God showing himself to you. And I'm, I was like, what? This is crazy. Mm. You see, the night before, I'd been with my mom and her best friend and I'd said, hey, if God's so real, why doesn't he just show himself to me? Mm. And the next thing I'm on the floor crying with this man saying, that's God showing himself to, to, to you. And I'm like, this is crazy. So he said, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? And I'm thinking, not really. I want to be a pop star. You know, that was my dream in life to be a pop star. And, and uh, you know, I, I was a songwriter and that was my kind of thing from a young age. So I wanted Jesus. I, I, I kind of always did from a young age, but I also wanted my own life. So I decided I would kind of hedge my bets and, and I would pray to accept Jesus, but I would keep 50% of my life for myself. So that's what I did. I prayed with the guy and, and I went home and for three weeks I went along to my mom's church and and you know every time I heard the worship I would I would begin to, to cry whenever the worship uh, would, would begin to be sung and, and um, I would hide in the bathroom and I would I would wipe my tears and I'd come back down. I didn't want anybody to know what was going on, but really what was going on is the Lord was fighting for that other fifty percent. And mm -hmm. uh and I didn't really want to give it. And after a few weeks, I couldn't do it. It was just that my soul was tormented by the pull. And I just gave in to, to the, uh, I went back onto the wide road. And um, but from the age of 15 to 24, I did my my music dream. I, I got up, I put a boy band together. I, you know, we, we toured uh, up and down the country. We played alongside all the all the famous pop bands of the time, you know, Westlife and uh, even like the Backstreet Boys. And and I was offered a record deal by Simon Cowell. I, I, I got um, my band to showcase for Simon Cowell in mm -hmm. London in Nomish Studios where the, where the Spice Girls auditioned. We were invited to go there and, and, and audition for Simon Cowell and he said, I'm going to turn you into superstars and, you know, we had some radio stuff. We, we made it a couple of times in a nationwide magazine and so things were really beginning to, uh, you know, gather momentum and, and then I began to uh, really sh uh, step into an, a, a deep addiction and really sink into an abyss of addiction. Um, my, my best friend from school was... Um, climbing the ranks in the criminal underworld in Liverpool where I'm from and I began to I began to mix in the company of notorious gangsters where there was a lot of cocaine available a lot of drugs available a, a, a lot of sex a lot of just debauchery and I began to really sink deep into that lifestyle and and that led me to the age of 24 and um, I, I, my friend who was a gangster he gave me 800 dollars or 800 or 500 pound of pure cocaine and um, I took it, my friend took it with me and my friend overdosed in my arms. Uh, he began to convulse, foam at the mouth and I held him in my arms as, as his eyes rolled to the back of his head and he died in my arms. Yeah. And he got taken off dead in, in an ambulance and I stood in the street. And as I stood in the street watching that ambulance drive away, I began to convulse, I began to convulse, I began to shake and, and I knew I was gonna die. And I could hear the people behind the door in the party, they were whispering saying, Scott's gonna overdose. And, and I knew I had maybe maybe a minute or so to left to live and and then the craziest thing happened i could see the gates of hell in the distance and i was moving uh, as if on some kind of treadmill very very at, like quickly at speed towards this entry point and i'd never known fear like it and I, I cried out to god i said god keep me alive keep Stephen alive keep my friend alive and i'll turn to you and i just made this plea bargain in desperation mm. to the lord and, and and in his mercy the good shepherd 
left those 99 sheep and he came after that one that got lost and he, and he held me and, and, I, and my foot, it felt like my foot was dangling over the precipice of eternity. It was that dramatic. It was like at any moment I'm, I'm gone. Uh, and it literally for every heartbeat felt like it was my last, every breath felt like it was my last. And, um, and it was a crazy experience. And, uh, but there was somebody who was stopping me from crossing that line. And it was, uh, it was the longest, uh, most difficult, most traumatic night of my life. But, the, but I really believe Jesus kept me from dying that night. And uh, my friend Stephen was resuscitated in the ambulance wow. and discharged the, the next day. And uh, long story short, about a month after I came to Jesus and six months after Stephen came to Jesus, I'm now an evangelist and he's, um, he's a church planter. So, Beautiful. Uh, so the Lord is good and, and the Lord is kind, but that was, that was how it happened. And yeah, Jesus really, really saved my life that night. But I, I came into, I came into the kingdom through the lens of eternity. And I think that, that really marked me and, uh, for the life that I was going to live for Jesus. Yeah. Oh, so inspiring. And so did you feel you had to ditch the music industry or did you think I'm going to be uh, the next Cliff Richard or <laughs> what did it look like? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was my dream <laughs> to uh, to be not necessarily the next Cliff Richard, but to be a music, you know, you know, to be in the music business. I mean that was still my still my dream, but the Lord had other plans, so I, I kept resisting the pull of the Holy Spirit to uh, to you know uh, to to do what I'm doing now. It's mm -hmm. not that I didn't want to do. I I always wanted to tell people about the Lord, and you know I, I realized um, I, I guess I had a, a revelation moment. You know, as I stood on that street staring down the gates of hell, I realized after that giving God 50% of me almost took 100% of me to hell. And, um, you know, giving 50% wasn't enough. You know, you're either on that wide road that leads you to destruction or you're on the narrow path that leads to life. And mm. and, and that really marked my heart for the, for the people out there that were living lives like that, for the people, oh, yeah, I believe in God or I pray before I go to sleep. And it really marked me to think, man, you're on the, you can be on the wrong road believing in the right God, but it's going to be a, a dangerous outcome. So, yeah, I, I always wanted to tell people right from the, the get-go, right out of the gate. I mean, the best way I describe it is how can you be held in a father's embrace uh, and feel his heartbeat for his wayward children and not want to do something about it. And, and that was how I felt. I felt being held in the father's embrace. I could, I could, feel, I could almost feel his heartbeat for the, for the broken people who were living lives like me. And so I wanted to tell them, but I also wanted uh, the music. So uh, long story, I went through a bit of a journey, but the Lord told me, he said, Scott, give me your music and I'll give you souls. Mm. And that was what I heard and, and I went through a grieving process and I laid it down and sure enough, the Lord kept his word and, and I began to step into, uh, you know, the life that I'm now living. Brilliant. So you, I mean, our paths crossed, uh, it was Causeway Coast Vineyard. I don't want to jump too far ahead if I've missed a chapter, but is, is, did you go straight into evangelistic work? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in a nutshell, I was... So I accepted Jesus in 2001. It was uh, the eve of New Year's Eve, 2001. I had a very dramatic uh, encounter with the Lord um, where the Holy Spirit fell on me and, and, and I saw beams of light protruding out of, of these three men's eyes as, as I sat uh, in this room. It was a, a real profound, uh, amazing experience. But after that, I just began to hear the voice of God very clearly. I heard the audible voice of God after two weeks telling me to take Bibles to China. And mm -hmm. uh, I subsequently went and did that. I was in Israel after four months with God TV. I went on a, a trip with God TV. I, I got to share my testimony in King David's Citadel in, in Jerusalem, live on God TV, four months after being a believer on Pentecost Sunday, where I saw angels uh, with my own eyes. And so just, uh, just a real um, amazing 
sort of birth into this into this new life. And yeah, I uh, you know I, I came from a, a severe alcohol and drug background, and um, you know I stopped uh, those things. But but after um, after my near, I had two near death experiences. One was a drug overdose, and one I, I picked a fight with three guys one one night in Liverpool City Centre, and they were banging my head on on metal bars and jumping up and down on my head, and I, I was. Um, I ended up in the hospital having a brain scan and I was very bad and the next day I collapsed with um, an anxiety attack and I, I went through post-traumatic stress disorder for mm -hmm. 13 years. I was on medication for a number of years for that and um, I began to really manifest severe PTSD symptoms and that led me back to alcohol. In 2003, I went to London Bible College, met my, my uh, wife there and we um, were about to get married and I, I basically went back to drinking and um, just, just uh, to self-medicate. Yeah. because I was I just, you know, I couldn't cope with the, the PTSD. So, you know, it started off with one or two drinks here and there, and that became, um, you know, an issue. And long story short, you know, me and my wife, we, um, we weren't married then, but we went through some issues, but we got married. And within six months, our, our marriage was just in disarray. I ended up, um, you know, just drinking a lot and staying out and, and uh, you know, then then we'd had a child, and we ended up. My wife was going to divorce me. Um, you know, I left. Uh, she kicked me out of the home. Um, you know, rightfully so. And, and I ended up back in the gutter where I was uh, found in the first place. You know, mm. and it was kind of crazy because this happened in Coleraine. This happened in in the the church where I met you. So this 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 was all going on here. Would move from England to to Ireland, and so all my mistakes happened in a in a town called Coleraine in Northern Ireland. And this is where my my wife and I we um we split up, and and I was in the bars and the local bars. I was drinking. I was making all my mistakes in this little town, and then um, uh, I I came back to Jesus when I. I went to visit some friends and uh, some family and, and I went back to Liverpool and actually uh, came back to the Lord and um, me and my wife, we began to date again and after nine months, the Lord opened the door for me to come back to Ireland and and I just said, I, I didn't want to go and live there. I told the Lord, I'm not going I'm not going back there because all my mistakes happened there. Mm, yeah. But um, but the Lord said, I, I want you to come back here. So I went back there and I began to share the gospel. The Lord told me to go into the streets and just share them. And a lot of the people knew me from the life that I'd lived while I was backslid and I'd been in the bars and I'd, I'd lived this sort of lifestyle and um, I was very ashamed of it but the Lord told me just to stand there and, and just declare his love so I did that and after a couple of years uh, Alan Scott who um, he was my my pastor of the church I was at he now pastors Anaheim Vineyard he he had a clear word from the Lord his brother's a prophet John Scott and he actually spoke to him in a very um, clear prophetic word about me who he'd never met and uh, there was a, a there was a lot of uh, things that happened around that time, but he employed me to be their first full time evangelist for Causeway Coast Vineyard, and my job was to stand on the street for three years every day. I stood in the street uh, five days a week for three years. So that was kind of that kind of took me up to the place where I met you before I got employed. You spoke at our church, and you know I remember receiving your book and was very inspired by by hearing your story. Great. Well, I mean, I'm just imagining people's imagining how you went about it. So were you standing on a soapbox shouting at people about going to hell? What was your methodology? And I'm sure you've refined it over the years as well. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's really interesting because for the for the two years before I was employed, 
I stood on, I stood up pretty much every Saturday. I would go faithfully, and I would share the gospel with. Uh, I had a, well, first I had nothing. I just shouted. Um, I only did that a couple of times. I think that was more for like an obedience thing. But then I got a microphone, and uh, actually, I actually bought this, D, this thing called the DJ Cube, and I didn't know what I was doing. But <laughs> I went and uh, with one of my uh, one of my wages, one of my early wages, I, I went and I, I invested quite a lot of money. Well, it was a lot of money for me at the time. But I went and I bought this DJ Cube, and it had a microphone, and and it played music, and I didn't realize what it did. But actually what happened is you, you played the, the, the music and then when you spoke, the music would stop and it was like, hey, I'm Scott. And then the music would kick back off. It was literally like a DJ, but I didn't really realize what I was getting. Um, so I had to kind of refine that a little uh, so I didn't look like a preaching DJ and, uh, and do it so that I had the music or I had my voice. But I began to go every Saturday and just, uh, and just share the gospel. And I didn't know how to do it. So I would copy other people's sermons. I would look online and some of the heroes of the faith and I would pinch their sermons and, and try and regurgitate uh, their sermons. But I mean, it wasn't very fruitful, if I'm honest, but I, I did it very faithfully. I think I saw one guy come to the Lord in about two years. And and honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, 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 it was everything was about me. I was trying to do it in myself. I didn't understand at that stage what evangelism was. And, you know, I, I, the Holy Spirit began to school me in evangelism from 2014 onwards. And, and I learned that evangelism is about partnership. But at that time, I didn't know that. I thought it was all about what I could do or what I couldn't do. And I wasn't very fruitful. But when I was employed, um, I, it, I was about probably about 500 yards down from the spot where I spent two years was where I stood outside the town hall. And that's when everything changed. And I felt like Peter, you know, Luke chapter five, when Jesus said, you know, go out into the deep and cast your, cast your nets. And Peter said, hey, I've done it all night. You know, mm. it, there was the same fish. There wouldn't have been any really any new fish in that like 12 hour or so period. But, but Jesus said, go back. And what was different? when Peter went back is he went back in partnership with Jesus. You see, the first time he fished, he fished alone. The second mm -hmm. time he went with the word. And, and I felt like that. I, I fished in those same streets, in those same waters, and I didn't really catch any fish, but I went back and everything changed. Mm. And uh, when I went back, yeah, I would I would just speak to strangers. I would share with them. I mean, uh, just to kind of give you a bit of insight, uh, the culture that we had at that time in 2014, our church culture was a culture of healing. So we didn't have a salvation culture. What I mean by that is people weren't getting saved in in, um, in a few minutes in the streets. We hadn't seen that before. We saw people coming to Jesus in gathered environments in church in church settings or conferences, but we didn't have an environment where people got saved on the streets. People got healed on the streets but we didn't see salvation and and that was unique. Do you want to just share a bit on that? Because uh, Mark Marks will be a mutual friend and he started here on the streets and I'll definitely do a podcast with him. And the church, I mean, some people will be familiar, loads of people won't be familiar. Just share a bit on the, the church and you talk about its culture and what was going on. I mean, it wasn't your average church, was it? No, it definitely wasn't. So, so uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard Church yeah, was where healing on the streets was was um, a pioneered and launched by Mark Marks and and yeah, that was that's a ministry that's gone all over the world. And um, I mean, it really, you know, we've seen incredible, incredible uh, healings that, that took place in that town from the town hall. And and uh, Mark actually, you know, became a, a good friend of mine. We would um, when I first was employed, Mark was was uh, often there as well. And he would go and share, and I would go and share, and then we'd come back and we'd say, Hey, how did that go? And so um, so it was really encouraging having him there at that time. Uh, but yeah, that was our culture. A lot of people were getting healed and in dramatic, you know, uh, miraculous fashion. But we, you know, we didn't have a culture where people were getting saved on the streets, and 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 you know, we we hadn't seen that. So it was definitely something that we were stepping into that was that was unique. And so did 
do you feel that Jesus at the door suddenly came to you? Was it a sudden revelation or were you just just trying different things out and you landed on it? Yeah, I mean, I always had a, I always had a desire to share the gospel. That was always my number one. Uh, number one priority, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'm a supernatural guy because uh, the Holy Spirit is supernatural, and so, so you know, I'm open to everything that that is God. But um, so, you know, I pray for some. Uh, I pray for the sick, and at times, I'd seen people healed. That um, you know, so I, I moved in that stuff, but I didn't really know how to share the gospel. I didn't really know how to do do that in a way that was succinct, in a way that was concise. So what I would do, I would pray for the sick because that's all I had seen really go before me. So I, I just did what I'd seen and, and that was the culture we were in. So my, my um, opening line was, you know, can I pray for uh, for you? And so I would pray for sick people, uh, but obviously you have a problem if, if, somebody's, if, if somebody doesn't have a sick body, then a lot of the times we're not praying for them, um, which is a problem because they have a sick soul. You know, we're, we're, people have sick bodies that, that are temporal, but they have a sick soul that is eternal, and and that takes precedence over a sick body. And and I think the the danger with a with a um, uh, with a, a singled out healing culture is that we're only looking for people who are sick with their bodies and then and then if they're not sick with a body then we don't go over to them to, to address their sick soul so so for me i was praying for sick people and then i would try and share the gospel because that was my desire but often i would find that people didn't have time to stick around they would take their healing and run i guess mm-hmm. a little like the te- the 10 lepers you know only one came back after yep. they'd been healed so so what what began to happen i began to realize i had a crisis of faith that i guess you could call it where i'm praying for all these people to be healed and, and i'm not sharing the gospel with many and i'm thinking i don't want to do that if i've got two minutes then i want to use it to to address the, their sick soul so mm-hmm. i decided that I, I wouldn't do that anymore and i would i would go straight for the gospel and then i uh, i found an image online and um of Jesus knocking at the door. My grandma had the, the original sort of Holman Hunt image uh, in her home. And I remember um, a Christian guy come around one day and he explained it to my grandma what that image was. And none of us knew. He explained the concept that the idea is that the handle is on the inside, not the outside, only you can let him in. So that was always something that was hanging around in, in my heart. So I began to to use that. I, I drafted this image off the internet and, and I just showed people the picture. I said, hey, this is Jesus knocking. And then something really beautiful began to happen. The Holy Spirit would drop phrases into my spirit. As I'm talking to a non-believer in the harvest fields of life, I would have I would get this phrase and and it was so powerful. It was so much life on it. I could feel something shift in the atmosphere when I would speak it. Like the person felt it, I felt it, the atmosphere became charged and changed. And and I wrote it down on my phone. And then maybe two weeks later it would happen again. And then it would happen again. And I wrote them all down on my phone. And, and that is what Jesus at the door is. It is nine points that were breathed by the Holy Spirit in the harvest fields of life. So good. You know, it's interesting. My mum, who will be listening to this as well, she, unlike you, in terms of you said it was your mum was, you know, zero sort of Christian culture and background. My mum had her in-laws very definitely praying for her every day since she'd married my dad, who, had, who was a sort of backslidden uh, missionary kid gone wrong, if you like. And we lived in Algeria. Dad was a businessman. And mum was just reading Revelation 3.20 by herself. And the Holy Spirit nudged her. And that was how she came to faith. So for those that don't know, Revelation 3.20 is Jesus. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So it's interesting that we've got that that shared experience of our mm-hmm. mothers 
being drawn yeah. to Christ through that verse. Now, Scott, why don't we just, you talk about the nine points. Why don't we just do that as a role play um, in, in its simplest form so that people who don't know about it can, can understand it? And we'll do that with a caveat that, guys, obviously conversations are fluid and we're not slaves to methodology. And, 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 and yet as we do this, you know, it's an anointed tool and um, I'll just be as responsive and open. And actually, you know, I've experienced it on the on the giving end. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. If the fruit is ripe, it falls. And so yeah. I'll, I'll pretend to be ripe fruit, or or maybe I'll be a bit resistant. But uh, go for it. Yeah. Can I just say just a couple of things, just leading into that, just sure. to give a bit of, a bit more context. So, yeah, I know you just touched about the fruit. So the Holy Spirit showed me when this thing began, it gave me this revelation, really, like I touched on before, I alluded to about uh, evangelism as partnership. And I didn't know that. So the Lord said to me, said, Scott, look at all the people in this town walking around. And I looked around and, and the Lord said, imagine they're like apples on a tree. When you share, I'll shake. And I had this concept, this revelation moment where it's not all about me. You know, it's not about how good I am, how bad I am, what I can do, what I can't do. It's it's literally about how available I am, you know, not not even how able I am. And and this apple tree uh, image, this concept just really marked me. And, and, you know, I call it apple tree evangelism, where all we've got to do is walk through the apple orchards of life and reach out our hand and be willing to catch. But when you share the gospel, he'll shake the tree. Some apples will fall, some will move a little and some won't move at all. And our job is just to catch those apples and and what the Holy Spirit did by giving me this way of sharing the gospel, it was a way that we could partner with him. Every individual can partner with the Holy Spirit. And um, the the, the verse I felt the Lord gave me from 1 1 Corinthians 2.13 is uh, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. And that's what I feel Jesus at the door does. It meets people where they're at and it gives them um, a, a, a kind of an ability to engage um, w- with the gospel. So yeah, I will uh, walk you through this. So we would approach an individual and I would say, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Sure. And I just and I just want to see is the Holy Spirit preparing that, that person? That, and again, let me just give you another scripture. John 6, 44, Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless the Father draws him. So the first thing to, to bear in mind is this is what we call a reaping tool. And this is quite important um, for you guys to, to hear this. So difference between sowing and reaping, this is what we call a reaping tool. And we're just looking for the ones the Lord is drawing. We're not looking for 45 minute debates about spaceships, monkeys and evolution. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the church is sowing. According to the Barnett Institute, 96% of the church is sowing, which means we are 4% reapers. What is sowing? What is reaping? Sowing is anything from praying for the sick, buying somebody a sandwich, telling them Jesus loves you. What is reaping? Reaping is bringing that person to a place of repentance. So we only have 4% of the wider church reaping. And that's a problem. We're walking with a limp. We have an imbalance. We need to bring Mm. some equilibrium. And I believe the Holy Spirit has given the church uh, Jesus at the door as a reaping tool in order to bring that equilibrium. Mm. So yeah, so I'll just say, can I ask you a question? If if uh, if you say yes, I would proceed. Have you ever seen this picture before and do you pray? Uh, I've never seen that picture before. I, I don't really pray, to be honest. What about in an emergency, like in, in a crisis situation? Would you would you pray in that kind of situation yeah, if somebody's yeah, dying? I, 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 guess, I, guess, I guess sometimes when things are desperate. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart and the handles on the inside 
so only you can let him in. Now, lots of people pray. Praying is like talking through that door. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. Now, mm -hmm. if you visualize a backpack on your back and we filled it with all of your sins, would it be heavy for you? Oh, yeah, seriously heavy. Yeah, I'm sure for everybody, huh? And that bag represents your debt with God. It stops you having a relationship with him. If you owed the bank $10,000 and I gave you a check or 10,000 pounds, sorry, and I gave you a check for that amount and you deposited the check in your account, what would happen to your debt? Uh, I guess, yeah, it'd be gone. Be gone, yeah. And that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check, signed in his blood. And today he's standing at the door of your heart wanting you to cash it. So if Jesus were here right now, would you let him in? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I mean, if he, was on, if he was here right now, I'd let him in. Okay, so can you see the wind here right now? Can you, can you visibly see the wind? No, no, of course not. No, you can't see it, you know, but you can feel it. You can see the effects of uh -huh. it when it hits the trees, but you can feel it. And just like the wind, I believe Jesus is here right now. Can I pray for you to feel his presence? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so what's your name? Simon. Simon. So Father, I just pray for Simon right now in this moment. I thank you that you love him and Holy Spirit, I ask you to change the atmosphere where he stands right now. And I pray that he would feel the touch of your presence. Thank you that you love him. Thank you that you know him. Lord, just let him feel the power of your love right now in this moment. So Simon, let me ask you, did you feel anything different in, in, in that moment while I was praying for you? Um, yeah, maybe a sort of, uh, yeah, a, sort of a, a deep peace. Come on, come on, that's beautiful. And you know, the Bible says Jesus was the Prince of Peace mm -hmm. and you're just feeling his love right now. So can I ask you, would you believe that, that from this experience, would you believe that he's here right now? Um, I, I want to. Do you think by faith, do you think you'd have enough faith to believe that he's here? Yeah. Okay, so the last thing is to turn from the road you're on without Jesus, change direction and follow him. Do you want to follow him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So the Bible says to invite him in from your heart with your mouth. So I'm going to pray with you to do that. You just echo this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I open the door of my heart. I open the door of my heart. And I let you in. And I let you in. I say sorry for my sin. I say sorry for my sin. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. And make you the Lord of my life. And make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Now, I'm not going to shake you by the hand and say, have a nice life, see you in heaven, because, you know, we're called to make disciples. So in order to make a disciple, I need to see you again. So I'm going to... I'm going to get your phone number. I'm going to connect with you. Uh, we have a we have an awesome um, um, follow-up system available on our app. We have a Jesus at the Door app that is free. We have over 30 languages available on that app. And we have a, a follow-up card that is available on, on the app where I can I can get your name right now in this moment. I can, I can pull up the follow-up card. I can write down your name, your number. And I hit save and that will send you an MMS picture message of a follow-up card which has beginning steps and and for what you can do i will also um what that will do then it will store your name and number in my new believers info section on my app which means i can log all those individuals that i've led to jesus so that's a very helpful resource
Brilliant. Now, listen, Scott, just let me say for, for those listening, now, obviously, that was a contrived sort of fake conversation. Yeah. But I know Scott's had hundreds, if not thousands of those. I've yeah. been doing it a few months. I've had several mm-hmm. of them. And as he said, it's about shaking the tree and, and the ripe fruit falls. And and I what I found is that, you know, well, typically went out the other day, had 16 encounters, if you like, and those and 12 mm-hmm. of them were no. 12 of them yeah. straight away. You know, I came out shopping. I didn't come out to be stopped by some person I don't know. So, but that's, that, that wasn't a big deal. It's not like they're rejecting yeah. you. It's not heavy. It's just, no thanks. And then uh, three of the four we got as far as, um, yeah, you can, yeah, you can pray that I'd feel uh, Jesus, Jesus' presence. Mm-hmm. So we prayed for them, prayed blessing on them. They didn't want to follow Christ. And then one lady, she wanted to follow Christ. So, so that would be, that would be not an untypical. Uh, experience and and this is me as a relative beginner, whereas Scott's been doing it for years now. And uh, and I noticed Scott, you recently you've moved f- across country from uh, to California to uh, to um, Florida, and uh, even as you drove across in an RV, I mean, just share typically, you know, because I saw you led a number of people to the Lord as you stopped off yeah. at gas stations, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I was actually in. Uh, we were living in Washington, in Washington State. We were living in. Um, originally we were due to go to California but we actually went to uh, Washington nice. State we, so we were there for two and a half years and then I, yeah and I, I drove to Orlando uh, where I'm based now but yeah I mean this is this is something that you know it should be a lifestyle for people and what we're trying to do uh, with Jesus at the door I really believe the Lord gave it to me uh, for for everyday disciples you know the, the great commission wasn't given just to evangelists it was given to disciples so you know we're called Every disciple, if you're if you're listening to this and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're called to make disciples. It's not it's not some sort of um, you know uh, a select few that are, are called to this this certain um, you know uh, calling. Like this is something for everybody. So I think that we need to find a way that we can be more fruitful. And and what I have found in my own life is this has revolutionized Mm. my world in terms of fruitfulness. I mean, John 15, eight says that uh, Jesus said, when you bear much fruit, you are a true disciple and you bring glory to your father in heaven. So for me, I'm a Jesus disciple, a Jesus evangelist before I'm a Jesus at the door evangelist. So, uh, you know, I wanna be fruitful. And what this has done is made me more fruitful. I often tell people, if you give me something that will make me more fruitful, I'll do it. Uh, but I, I'm since 2014, I haven't even come close to finding something. So, so yeah, just to, I mean, I do this every day in my life as I'm going about my business. Um, yeah, we drove over 3,000 miles, stopped off at a number of gas stations and and different um, states, uh, you know, to eat and different things, and and we've seen. Um, you know, people come to Jesus uh, along that journey. And, you know, it's something that I'm seeing on a regular basis and, uh, you know, pretty much daily. And it's very, very easy, very simple. And what I love about it is it's not uh, threatening, it's not forceful. Actually, what we're doing is we're laying down, we're laying out the options on the table and we're saying, hey, is this you? You know, we say, do you believe in God? Do you pray? Uh, yes, I do. Um, you know, if your bag was, was he- would your bag be heavy? Are you a sinner? Yes, I am. Do you want to follow Jesus? Yes, I do. You know, we're just putting the the options out there. We're not telling them that they're actually telling us this is what they want. So it's a very, a very powerful approach, but it's a very gentle approach. I was in Portland State University, which is the most unreached uh, university in the whole of America. And, and there's a young man we, we approached and he, he came back to me, said, um, he shared with me, said, look, I'm not interested in this. He said, but I do want to tell you, this is my favorite approach of, uh, that I've, I've heard. He said, um, 
he said, I didn't feel judged and, and, and the way that you approached it, which is really interesting because we tackle everything head on. Sin, Jesus being here in the moment, but he didn't feel it was uh, a judgmental approach. So he encouraged people to try it, to road test it, because it's definitely very, very powerful. Go on, share us some stories then. I mean, you've got, you got gazillions, but uh, it's, it's always encouraging to hear testimony of, of, of people coming to faith. And, I, and on your website, there's stack loads that I've looked at. It's very edifying. So let's hear a few. So um, stories-wise, I mean, you know, I can tell you, uh, you know, this is, again, this is something that I, I live out on a daily basis. Last night, I, I've lived here for and not even four weeks. I got here on week one and, I, and I'm like, we're going to start a new believers group. Um, I believe discipleship is key. Uh, the, the beating heart of Jesus at the door is to make disciples. You know, um, uh, what we're doing in sharing the gospel is, uh, you know, in the words of Billy Graham, to bring somebody to Jesus is 5% effort, but 95% effort is needed if we're going to bring them into maturity as a disciple within the church. So I'm very passionate about making disciples, and that is what we um, we stand on it with our ministry. So I've done that right from the beginning. In 2014, we opened our home. We've seen many people come to uh, our home and be discipled. We are the church within a church in Causeway Coast, uh, full of our new believers. They filled up many, many rows as they kept getting saved and discipled. So that's something just to, uh, just to uh, kind of state that, something that is very, very, uh, a big passion of mine to make disciples. So, um, yeah, I mean, last night we had a new believers group. We had our third new believers group last night, and it was wonderful. Uh, we had three brand new believers that came. One of the guys I met in a local Walmart store. He uh, came to church on Sunday. He came here last night. Another guy, I was on a Friday night outreach in downtown Orlando. Uh, there was this guy out there on the, on the club scene. I met him. He came to church the past two weeks. He came to our home last night for our new believers group. So, um, so you know, we're seeing this on a regular basis. Um, but I, yeah, I share, I share a story with you guys. Um, the reason I'm going to share the story is because I, I really want people to be stirred and shaken and inspired to do this yourself. You know, like I want you guys to see the the uh, the danger of us. Uh, being impotent and not sharing the gospel. So I was living in a, in, um, in Washington State, and there's a local city 30 minutes away called Longview. So I decided that I would go and knock some doors in Longview, and I um, um, I went there. I mean, I'll tell you real quick, brief st- uh, backstory, because I want people to see how the Holy Spirit leads. Like I told you, you know, evangelism is partnership. So you share, he shakes. It's all about partnership. You know, I, if I could define evangelism in one in one phrase, it would be this, giving up all control so he can take full control. The best evangelists are the ones who get out the way. I believe that, that Jesus at the door, it gives you something that can enable you to get out of the way in style. It keeps you in, involved enough, but it doesn't dominate. Um, you don't dominate. The Holy Spirit will dominate the, the conversation and the time. So um, so that is what is so powerful about Jesus. It will get you out of the way in style. And I was, in, the, I was in, um, in Seattle in the chop zone. We had some severe riots last year. It was called the chop zone. It was this autonomous zone where a lot of crazy people uh, barricaded the, the city and uh, a, a part of the city. And I went there and shared the gospel. And while I was there, I was due to be there for a couple of days. And after day one, the Holy Spirit told me to go home and make disciples. So I was there with the team and I said, guys, we're not staying, we're going home. So I drove home late late that night and I got up in the morning and I took a, a gentleman with me to train him and we went knocking on doors and we, we'd got about five doors in and we opened, this uh, young lady opened the door, her name was Lily, and she opened the door and within minutes the Holy Spirit fell upon her and she began to cry. 
And uh, the Lord showed me a picture of a lily pad and, and I saw this lily pad with a lot of uh, muck and dirt on it. And I, uh, I shared that with her and, and she began to cry. She told me that she was raped in her own home um, uh, one year. Uh, in five days, it would be one year, the one year anniversary of when she was raped in her own home. Now, this was a, 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 um, more of a, a monumental moment for her because it was her daughter's birthday. She had a, a daughter, had a birthday party and a friend brought this guy around and he drugged her and raped her in her own home. And um, mm. it was it was coming up to one year anniversary in five days. And she was thinking of ending her own life. She was a single mom of three children and she uh, she didn't really want to live anymore. Um, that day that was looming, that, that monumental moment that was looming, uh, she didn't really feel that she could uh, cope with with uh, facing that, that memory. So she'd been thinking about ending her life and we knocked on her door. Uh, she was a, a lady in her mid-20s. She accepted Jesus in that moment. Beautiful. And uh, we invited her immediately to our new believers group. And she came straight to our new believers group within days, became part of our family. Uh, within within about a week, she was um, stood with me leading her neighbor, her next door neighbor to Jesus. And, um, and then her whole life was turned around. And um, there's a video on our YouTube channel. We have a Jesus at the YouTube channel. Yeah, Lily's story. And it's called uh, the, the Journey of a Disciple. We have three videos, the journey of a disciple. What we do is document the journey of uh, that person getting saved, that person uh, leading someone to Jesus, being baptized and transformation, beautiful to behold. So that's on our Jesus at the Door channel. We call it Living Letters. You know, the Apostle Paul said, you are you are our living letters. You're the endorsement of our ministry. And, and that is what we um what we like we believe in. We believe these disciples are, are the people who can validify what God has put in our hand. Amen. Oh, Scott, I love it. Hey, folks, just an explanation for these last few minutes. Uh, Scott's reception was really rubbish, but uh, it was, I think, too good to miss out. So we've kept it in there, but it might be a bit frustrating in terms of sound quality. Anyway, let's see how it goes. To encourage you, I, the, a couple of months ago, I took out a bunch of people and, you know, you talk about percentage of 96 uh, percent Barna saying that of Christians have never led anyone to Christ. Well, out of the 16 of us that went out onto the streets that day, uh, two people came back absolutely turbocharged because they'd led someone to the Lord for the first time. There was such joy in their yeah. faces. And mm. one lady on the way home, she led another person in the next month, she led another three people. So she's led five people to Jesus mm. using and, uh, this tool. It's just God. a tool, isn't it? But it is an effective tool. And I thought, you know, that, what I loved also is that in terms of equipping people, it, you know, it doesn't take long. It, we did half an hour practice mm. beforehand. Then we did 15 minutes of, sorry, uh, half an hour of teaching, explaining the methodology, then 15 minutes practicing on each other as twos and then we went out we came mm. back and that week i think nine people came to jesus in an hour on the streets of bath mm. so and obviously mm. as you said the crucial thing is the follow-up and getting exchange of details so listen everyone uh, as you you've heard this i know lots of people you are feeling extremely uncomfortable saying this is just not for me what i want to challenge you is get out your phones right now and whether it's uh, android or an iphone Get go to the the app store of the Android is equivalent and type in Jesus at the door. Download it, the app. You'll have a picture of of Jesus knocking at the door 
of of your heart with the handle on the inside only and you'll have that and you'll be able to access that whenever it's appropriate you, you might think i haven't got the courage to go up to someone but you know someone comes and knocks at my door someone came knock, knocked on my door the other day i was able to get it out and and share it with them i was i was sat next to a guy playing cricket uh, a few weeks back and i had actually i did have a half an hour just to sit and chat with him and led him to the lord it was mm. so lovely and you know you don't want to be saying oh when god used me 15 years ago or five years ago or if you're doing this if this mm. does become a lifestyle then you've got you've got contemporary stories of jesus at work through you for his glory and drawing people to himself and and then we will be a church on the move a growing church so scott i want to bless you so much in that we've actually pretty much run out of time and and there's so much more that could have been shared but is there anything that you still want to share that you feel like we haven't got in um i would just i would just like to encourage people you know that um i mean i've seen that the most unlikely candidates bear fruit using mm. this this method you know and and what it is is the gospel you know so it, what we're doing is presenting the gospel and the gospel is the power of god to salvation you know i often mm. tell people i say it is not the power of your presentation that leads to salvation it's the power of the gospel and often we feel we have to be enigmatic and has exuberant personality where we look them in the eye and but that's not true because if it was then that would un- under the power of the gospel gospel what carries the power I've seen people like my, my daughter when she was nine last year she went out and she read this card with her pastor and a, and a team and i took another team she read this card to a man and he starts crying he was a you know a guy he wearing a, a baseball cap with a pack of cigarettes hanging out of his back pocket and he began to cry as he accepted jesus i mean uh, yeah, i could see many stories of, of young people kids people who, who have no experience but you know, Jesus said, if you confess me before, and I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And really, we need to wake up uh, as a church because we don't have a we don't have the the right to say this is too uncomfortable for me, because people are perishing, and and you know we need to get over ourselves. Quite frankly, um, and and what we what I believe the Lord has given us is a way that everybody can do this. This is not threatening. You're not you you don't have to give them an exegesis on the Book of Isaiah. All you're doing is saying, the person who comes across your path, don't go. You don't have to go knocking on doors if you don't want to. You don't have to, uh, you, you know, go outside of your comfort zone too much. But what about a person that the Lord puts in front of your pathway? Mm. Why can you not just pull that picture out and say, hey, excuse me, could I just ask you this? Would you not be prepared to do that for the Lord? My mm. challenge to you is step out and, and, and do that for Jesus and you, you will see amazing fruit. So, Scott, why don't you pray a prayer over us listeners right now, a prayer sort of commissioning. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I just pray, Father, for everybody who's listening to this right now, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would shake them and that you would move in their hearts, Lord. I pray you'd bring them back to the moment where they were saved. I pray you'd bring them back to that sweet salvation moment, Lord. I pray that they would re- remember what it felt like to be lost. And Lord, that they would be stirred to want to reach out to the perishing and forget, Lord, what happened to those who were on that wrong road, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd breathe life into their heart right now. I pray that impartation, the apostle Paul's a lot to impart some spiritual gift to you. So, Lord, the gift that is in my heart, right, I impart it into my brothers and sisters right now in this moment. I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit. I pray against all fear. I bind that spirit of fear over their lives. Mm. And I prayed, release them, Holy Spirit, release them into their community, into their friends, in their family, their neighbors. Lord, loose their mouth, remove the muzzle off their mouth and, and cause them to be so inspired that they'd want to open their mouths for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
brothers and sisters, wherever you are, maybe not just be hearers, but maybe be doers. I really want to challenge each and every one of us. It has revolutionized uh, my recent uh, attempts to reach out in Jesus' name. And he can do that. He can do that for you, for his glory. Scott, thanks so much for your time. I know you've got to dash off. I uh, bless you and your family. Uh, really great to be with you. And can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. Just if you guys are interested in this, I do have a book called Jesus at the Door. It is not a book about my story or about something uh, or I get good ideas or thoughts. It's actually the uh, six years of teaching that the Holy Spirit gave me unpacking Jesus at the Door. It's like each chapter is one of those nine points and we unpack it and and all the revelation the Lord gave me. When, when the Lord gave me Jesus at the Door, it is 10%. When you look hard, it is 10%. It is the iceberg above the water, but below the water is the 90%. And that is the teaching uh, that the Holy Spirit then gave me after the revelation, scripture revelation. And so I'd encourage you guys, if this is something you're seriously considering stepping out in, I'd encourage you to get the book and and it really will uh, enable you and equip you with tools and the heartbeat to really run after this. Fantastic. We will put that in the blurb underneath the postcard, all the relevant details of Jesus at the door. So thanks, Scott. And thank you, all of you, for listening. I hope you've been inspired. I think uh, this has been sort of different flavor from some. It's been very challenging and stirring. And I'd love it to, to, for there to be a really practical outworking communities across the nations. I think we've got 56 different nations listening in uh, from around the world right now, which is a beautiful thing. So thanks, everybody, for your time. We'll see you again next week. Another fantastic guest. I want to thank Adam Thomas Steer for editing and Mike Sandiman for doing the mixing and uh, if you've enjoyed it please gossip these to your friends that more people listen give us a great review uh, so that again we just uh, get flagged up in front of more people and uh, we'll see you next week doodaloo